2: In Las Vegas, an arrest is made after 27 years in the murder of Tupac Shakur. These stories and more are coming at you today, Wednesday, October 4th, on Real Life, Real Crime Daily, and I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Everton.
1: And I'm Mike Agavino. It doesn't what? feel like Wednesday, does it?
2: Mm, Wednesday hump day. Yeah. Feels like it to me. I don't know. It
0: feels
1: like... Maybe that's because cons- you guys of- are getting humped and... Shit! <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> somebody else might not be. It could be, That could play into it a little bit. Um, I have a quickie correction, retraction ish thing. All right. My cute little, um, let me tell you something, Linda girl from last episode. I said that that post was a year and a half or so old. I was off by a few years that post was actually from 2015, and it has been resurrected several times. So the that young girl who was five at the time it was done in 2015 is – quick math, anybody – is 13 years old today. Yeah. And uh, her name is Jayla Cummings, and Jayla's got her own YouTube channel, and she's cleaned up her act a little bit. She's – She's not speaking disrespectfully oh, the, the, that, to her elders. The,
0: uh, I didn't know what story you're talking about. You're talking about the little girl in the classroom. Yeah, was, let yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something.
1: And it uh, seems like she's doing quite well. So That's good. good on you, Jayla. Sorry I was about seven years off in how old you are. but Nothing wrong with that. Good to know you're doing well. Let me
0: say, I got to do this because this is the first time we've recorded since it happened, but we got to give a shout out to all the lifers for several reasons. First of all, for we won for Bloody Angola the Best History Podcast. Uh, uh, so thank you so much for that. And then, right. And then, um, Listener Influence.
2: Listener Influencer of the
0: Year. Listener Influence of the Year. We won that. So this huge thank you. That's the second time I won that. And then... Be- Best, Best Male host. host. That's the third year in a row I won that. And so thank you, lifers. And for the first time ever, they made the finals for the Big Enchilada, which is the Adam Curry's People's Choice Podcast of the Year Award. And we won that, Real Life, Real Crime. So...
2: The um, biggest, actually, right. award in that show, and named yep. after the father himself, Adam Curry, former MTV VJ, who right. they credit with Stop, uh,
0: starting, starting podcasting. the podcast. Yeah. Anyway, so it was huge, huge blessing, and thank y'all for validating what we do. Uh, over 8.5 million, what, what was the number?
2: Uh, 8.3 8, million 8, 8.3 votes million for votes. the finals, and uh, the finalists, and then... Uh, 22,500 of those were sent emails to vote for the winner and just about all responded. As a matter of fact, they had over 21,000 votes for the Adam Curry award. So So that tells you, you know, people came out in droves, right?
0: And I always said life was the best fans in the world. And I love and appreciate each and
2: every one of you. Thank you so
0: much. And let's get into some
2: crime time. Well, and we're going to bring you to uh, Washington. A Washington man was convicted this week on kidnapping and sexual assault charges after he held a woman captive in his garage for weeks. Henry Hauser, a 56-year-old repeat sex offender, could face life in prison. The victim, who was homeless at the time of the crime, told police Hauser offered her a place to stay in his garage. She said after going to the defendant's garage, they hung out for a period of time, and at some point she became uncomfortable and wanted to leave. The defendant then grabbed her and restrained her by binding her to a truck with a chain. Crazy. The victim told police that Hauser chained her ankle to his truck and drugged her for more than two weeks, causing memory issues. She said the defendant would make statements to her like he was acting out of fantasy. He would ask her if she wanted to be hurt. He would say he was going to kill her slowly, but other times would say he wanted to keep her. Hmm. Hauser repeatedly sexually assaulted the victim in his garage for several weeks, and she escaped when he left a key in her proximity, and she was able to break free from Hauser's residence and seek help. Police police arrested Hauser at a Walmart after a Walmart loss prevention officer tracked the suspect down on surveillance video footage after he used the victim's food stamps to purchase groceries. Hmm. Hauser was a level three sex offender at the time of his arrest, and he cut off his ankle monitor. In 2014, he was actually convicted of kidnapping a 16-year-old girl at knife point, Taking her back to his residence, where he gave her methamphetamine and sexually. How
0: the assaulted. hell do you get out at in
1: twenty sixteen? That nine, happened in yes. nine
0: years, and you got an ankle bracelet on, and
2: you're doing it again. You cut it off, yeah, and, and then lock his ass up forever. Well, it, it, there's this lady would be probably dead uh, if yeah. if not for him leaving that key. Uh, and in, in proximity of her yeah. and her being able to escape and shout out to the Walmart right, loss right, prevention guy getting, getting it done. Yeah. Who was paying attention, man. Great it's job. Crazy story. And you think evil doesn't live
0: people. I mean, could have been anybody. It's crazy. Yep. Well, tell you about another just sad story. And unfortunately this happens all the time. My father-in-law is now deceased was a retired section chief for all of South Texas for the Border Patrol. And they used to run, he used to tell me about cases like this where they find all these people dead. But a Texas man um, pleaded guilty to his role in a human smuggling and trafficking operation that resulted in the deaths of 53 migrants who were trapped inside a sweltering tractor-trailer in San Antonio, Texas, last year. Chris, Christine Martinez, 29, of Palestine, Texas, pled guilty to multiple charges related to the crime. And according to the DA's office, Martinez pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to transport illegal aliens resulting in death. One count of conspiracy to transport aliens resulting in seriously body injury and placing lives in jeopardy. Martinez, scheduled to be sentenced on January 4th of 2024, faces the maximum penalty of life in prison. He should get that. He should get the death penalty. But... According to the release, Martinez and 47-year-old co-defendant Homero uh, Zamorano, Jr., the driver of the track trailer were initially charged on July 20, uh, 2022, and in total four men were indicted by a federal grand jury. At the time of the horrific tragedy, the San Antonio, San Antonio Police Department held a live press conference, and Chief William McManus said the police received the first call at 5.50 p.m., Local time from an employee working at the nearby building who heard a cry for help and came out to investigate. When approaching the truck, he saw the partially open door and found 46 dead migrants inside. After a team of fire trucks, police and emergency personnel responded to the scene, 16 people, 12 adults and four children were rushed to hospitals before the death toll ultimately rose to 53. The patients that we saw were hot to the touch, Chief Hood said of the victims during the press conference. They were suffering from exhaustion, no signs of water in the vehicle, and adding that there was no working air conditioning unit. We're not supposed to open up a truck and see stacks of bodies in there, he continued. None of us come to work imagining that. And it happens all the time. They're just, you know, making that money, coyotes for smuggling them over and
1: ah uh, that number of people like sardines and an 18, 50. I mean in, the, kids. in, in
0: San Antonio and in, in the, in the heat. I mean, you know, they've done studies like they did on, on um Courtney Coco's body. She was in the trunk for uh, two days and, and it was in October this time. Actually it was right now. It was this week that, that it happened. But so that, but the temperature was only in the eighties and, but, GM has done the studies on on how hot the yes, trunks get, trunks. and it's like like 160, 170 degrees. Oh, can you ridiculous. imagine what it is in Texas when in a, in, a, in the back of a semi with nothing? Fifty three
2: people dead. Yeah, that's a tin can basically. Yeah, yeah, right. And they're watching no, I mean,
1: people around them die, yeah, and I, they it, can't. And it, it,
0: it, I don't even I don't know what you are thinking. It's just it <sighs> truly is. Oh,
1: Horrifying, so brutal. Um, well, it was 27 years ago. I mean, just does not seem possible that it was 27 years ago. That, I can't believe it's possible that Tupac was murdered, but I can't it was 27 it. years ago. I
0: remember it vividly,
1: and since then, there have been I don't know how many books, movies, docu-series, yep. Yep. uh. Uh, how many different theories, but police are convinced that this time they have got the real killer. So let's hear their story. A Clark County grand jury voted this week to indict 60-year-old Dwayne Keefe D. Davis for the murder of rap icon Tupac Shakur, which, as I said, occurred 27 years ago. Law enforcement officials announced this at a press conference that was held on Friday. The announcement comes after Las Vegas Metro Police executed a search warrant at Davis's home back in July and seized multiple tablets and computers, cell phone, hard drives, photos, and more. The Clark County Sheriff, Kevin McMahill, said that Davis was arrested on Friday morning and that the investigation was, quote, far from over, and that remarks that Davis made back in 2018 reinvigorated the investigation. We'll maybe talk a little bit about those remarks, but he uh, he came on as a guest on a couple of different podcasts and made some pretty bold statements, and those are still out there on YouTube uh, uh, for you to be able to, to watch and listen to. So that is what they're referring to. Metro Lieutenant Jason Johansson said that sheer persistence by detectives in the case ultimately paid off and is what led to Davis's arrest. Prior to September 7, 1996, as we all know, Tupac was an artist who had signed with Death Row Records and right. that Death Row Records and its CEO, Marion Suge Knight, were closely affiliated with the Mob Piru, the criminal street gang right. in the Compton area of L.A. And that they had an ongoing feud with the South Side Compton Crips, another gang from Compton. Davis a.k.a. Keefe D was the leader and shot caller of the uh, Compton Crips. And both of these gangs operated out of uh, Southern California Compton area, as I said. Shakur was shot four times on September 7th, 1996 in Vegas after attending the Mike Tyson fight at the MGM. He ended up dying in the hospital six days later. He actually clung to life for six days and they thought at points that he had a chance. Members of the Compton Crips, which included Keefee D, along with his nephew Orlando Babyface Anderson, also attended the Tyson fight that night. As they were leaving the fight, members of Death Row Records spotted Babyface near an elevator bank inside the MGM. And approached him and began to kick and punch him. So they roughed him up. Johansson showed security video of uh, that fight at the elevator, which clearly showed Tupac and other members of death row attacking Babyface. Then Johansson said this is all at this press conference. Little, uh, quote, little did anyone know that this incident right here would ultimately lead to the retaliatory shooting and death of Tupac Shakur. I'm gonna add because they didn't do, they didn't do a lot of allegedly's at this press conference. I'm gonna add uh, a big allegedly to that one because we haven't seen any evidence yet and. uh Let's face it, we've been hearing stories for 27 years. Following the incident, Tupac and Suge both left the MGM to head uh, to a party at a local nightclub. At the same time, word spread through the Crips that Babyface had been beaten up by Death Row guys. That's when, and again, I'll add, allegedly, Keefe D. began to devise a plan to retaliate against Suge and Tupac. Keefe obtained a gun and got into a white Cadillac along with uh, Babyface and two guys named Terrence Brown and DeAndre Smith. By the way, all three of those guys are uh, are dead, and so today Keefe D is the only remaining uh, person who was in that white Cadillac. So we we don't exactly have a lot of right. uh, people to corroborate some of this. So at some point in time, as they're in that Cadillac, Keefe, uh, Cadillac Keefe handed the gun to the guys in the back seat of the caddy which would have been Babyface and one of the other guys, either Brown or Smith. Most stories out there claim that it was Babyface that pulled the trigger Mm. because it was retaliation for him being beat up. And so it was – the gun was put in his hand to do the retaliation. The four men located the black BMW that Suge and Tupac were driving – and pulled up alongside that vehicle and started shooting. Johansson said that detectives knew most of this information within the first few months of their investigation but they never had the necessary evidence needed to bring the case forward and present criminal charges. Again, I believe he's referring to these various statements made in podcasts and YouTube shows uh, by Keefe since 2018. In 2018, the case was reinvigorated as additional evidence came to light related to this homicide. They don't get specific about it, but again, I believe that's what it was. Some of you may know that I have uh, long produced an entertainment news podcast called Fame is a Bitch with my longtime friend A.J. Benza, who used to host the Mysteries and Scandal series on E! Entertainment. A.J. was close friends with Tupac and, uh, I mean, knew him very, very well. In fact, one night they lied down on the FDR drive at 3 o'clock in the morning in a, uh, a suicide pact they had taken before A.J. chickened out or A.J. was the first to run off the, uh, mm. the highway. But um, – and, and so he's been involved in uh, looking into Tupac's case for years, as you might imagine. And on Monday's show, uh, Monday's Famous A Bitch podcast show, AJ shared that he does not believe Tupac was the target that night in Vegas. He believes Suge Knight was the target and that the hit had nothing to do with roughing up babyface Anderson after the Tyson fight. At the time, Suge and his wife were going through a divorce. Uh, A.J.'s theory is that Shug's then-wife, Sharitha, was having an affair with Death Row's head of security, Reggie Wright Jr. Since they later married, I think we can safely say that there's plausibility to that theory. Sharitha and Reggie, according to A.J., were making a move in advance of their divorce to try and take control of Death Row. And uh, I know nothing, next to nothing, about this stuff. So I'll just say if you're super interested in that theory, you can listen to – Monday's fame is a bitch. We'll see what evidence beyond these podcast uh, interviews comes out about Keefe D here. But there's a lot of skepticism out there as to whether they actually really do have the killer in hand now.
0: It must have something. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that it must have something uh, concrete to to bring it forward. Uh, not to, just an arrest the, to bring it forward to think that they um, are going to get— you know, twelve jurors to, to find him guilty.
1: Well, they they may very well get that because he basically, conf- I mean, he's taking yeah. credit, right? In these, but in that world, do with the three other people in the car dead, Tupac dead, and everything. I mean, is it was it to his advantage to take credit yeah, for it yeah. and versus uh, you know whether he actually did it? Well, I,
2: I'll say this. I've, I've seen every single interview that Keefe D. did, uh, and I've been following this case also for probably 27 years, and it's it's my opinion that Orlando Anderson definitely killed uh, Tupac Shakur. People may wonder, well, how is uh, Keefe D. getting charged now for murder when in the podcast that he discussed handing the gun to uh, Orlando Anderson, and, and it's it's important to note that at that point that uh, this case was fresh and uh, there was a Los Angeles investigator that was investigating this really hard. As a matter of fact, he wrote a book it. about I read, it. I read it. Yeah. Um, very sharp investigator. And he actually did what they call a proffer agreement with uh, Keefe D., and that proffer agreement is is not, and this is this is where I think KVD misunderstood. It's not a uh, total uh, abs- absolving of of anything that you did. It is basically uh, something where you have an agreement with the LAPD at this point that anything you tell them cannot be held against you, but you cannot then go on. A podcast and discuss all of these things you did to facilitate the murder of Tupac. Um, One of the interesting things at the press conference that the police officer said was he used an example. And he said, uh, in Las Vegas, if you rob a bank and you have a getaway driver and that getaway driver is in the parking lot, that getaway driver is just as guilty as the guy who held the gun in the bank of robbery. Same thing with murder. So he doesn't necessarily have to pull the trigger to be convicted of the murder of Tupac Shakur. Um, And that is where all of this is coming through. That proper agreement did not apply to uh, him going on podcast and discussing it. Well, also his own mouth sunk him.
1: Los Angeles. Does it apply in the bottom? No. And then. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. And then. uh, But, yeah, you
0: know, what the crazy thing is. Tupac, you know, he, he he was a masterful artist and all that stuff. But originally, he wasn't a gangster. He wasn't an OG gangster. Yeah, exactly. Shit, he he got affiliated with him after he became famous. Shit, he was like a he studied ballerina uh, uh, and all this stuff, and and went to the what's that school in New York Juilliard Juilliard he went to Juilliard he was an he, and, actor as well yeah and, yeah. and he did all that and then he got sucked up into well
1: you look at a lot of these guys who become the leaders right. of these gangs. like Keefe D went yeah. to college right, right. businessman his, right. his father was a cop yeah Right. Um, you know he worked at Linwood PD for right. a period of time yeah. uh, and and actually rose up the ranks there I mean there's uh, these are not uh, these are not just you know crazy, uh out of control, uh unintelligent people. I mean they've they're maybe illegal businesses that many of them have built, but they've built right. big Yeah. Well, it's businesses. hard
0: to catch a smart criminal, right? Right. And, and, and I wonder what Shook's thinking about that sitting in
2: prison. Yeah, he'd be there for the rest of his life, likely. So um we'll keep you posted on yeah, Tupac. Interesting. Minneapolis, we're going to bring you to and a Minneapolis police officer is being investigated by her department after it was learned that she had an OnlyFans account where she was posting explicit photos and videos. The Minneapolis Police Department launched an internal investigation into the fourth precinct officer who was not identified after a citizen was pulled over by the officer who actually recognized her from her uh, side job? Uh, yes, the officer's OnlyFans page is not publicly available and only accessible to her paid subscribers. While police conducted their internal probe, the mayor's office said it might not have a problem, be a problem for them. If we're all talking about, if all we're talking about is naked pictures behind a paywall, the mayor has no issue. However, the chief will determine if there's any policy violations. This from the uh, spokesperson for the Minneapolis Mayor, Jacob Fry. The officer's account bio reads, 35-year-old MILF, Uh free-spirited, overly optimistic, and creator of sexy content to please others. Uh The account does not include any references to her being a police officer. The department confirmed an investigation into the account was initiated by police but city officials are torn whether the existence of an account account warrants disciplinary action. Uh, we take all allegations of policy violations seriously, and the chief has ordered an investigation. The Minneapolis PD is now tasked with seeing if the officer's OnlyFans account violates department policy, which says their officers are required not to exhibit any conduct that could compromise their efforts to enforce the law or discredit their agency. This is interesting because, like, Louisiana State Police, it
0: doesn't matter if you have a side job cutting grass or doing polygrass, whatever, you actually have to fill out forms and submit it to them mm. to state what you're doing so they make sure you're not doing
2: only anything, things. Anything <laughs> to bring
0: shame on them or whatever, yeah. I guess. And uh, so I don't know what their policy is on that. And, and pretty much, it, I, I think that's like a civil service deal. Is OnlyFans an app or is it a website? It's like a website, from what I understand. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> from I what know, I, I hear, it. more and more about it. I'm I mean, than, you know, I'll have
2: to look up to see exactly. I don't exactly. think it's
0: exact, <laughs> uh, um, all sexual
1: or whatever. They got people. Who, I'm tempted to go through Woody's apps. right? No, now, I, guys, there, honest, I, 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 I think I mean, it's, it's pretty.
2: pretty uh, well, and, and here's the, that's why I was asked. Cause I want to know if it's an app or a website. I was going to look well, it you up. just go to the
1: app store and see, you,
2: you know, know, here's the discussion here. And in my mind, and that is, uh, it should she be disciplined? For, I mean, mm. This the, is a fine line. I understand that there might be some people with, out there might have a I, moral I issue what, with this, my, but some people I, I
0: think may the not. issue is this. Let's say I was on OnlyFans doing sex stuff, and and somebody was subscribing to me, and, and I pull them over, and I'm in uniform patrol, and they might be like, "Ooh, I'm gonna rat you out," or I don't know if you can screenshot or take pictures of it. And say, "Yeah, that's you, a good point." Yeah, I mean, you could be you could, could be using it against putting you. yourself uh, in, in a compromised situation. It's
2: actually a good point. So. Uh,
1: So, there is not an app in here. There's a bunch of people that are uh, buying that search term. So, Ashley Madison pops up first. Number one for affairs and NSA hookups. What's an NSA?
2: No strings attached.
1: Ah.
2: I didn't know that.
0: I know I did a bunch of autographs when Ashley Madison got busted. (laughs) A lot of spouses were in trouble.
2: Yeah. Remember that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, well. I'm going to take you to this next story, and I can definitely relate to this. Um, For 10 years, Madison McGee believed her father died from a heart attack when she was six years old. But as a teen, she learned the shocking truth. He was murdered, and the killer was never caught. On July 11, 2002, John Cornelius, or J.C. McGee, was fatally shot in the head in the doorway of his home in Belmont County, Ohio. Madison, just six at the time, left Ohio with her mom and was raised in West Virginia. Now, Madison, 28, has decided to take the case into her own hands and search for the killer. In May of this year, she launched a podcast, Ice Cold Case, to dive deeper into the facts of the case with hopes of solving her father's murder. This is a story of what happened to J.C. McGee on July 11, 2002, according to police records, some of which may not be entirely accurate nor adequate. The first episode states, 20 years later, the search for answers began. After J.C.'s death, police came to the conclusion that his murder stemmed from a home invasion gone wrong. But Madison isn't so sure that that's true. She became even more skeptical After learning, her father had been a drug dealer turned informant. As an informant, he helped police arrest a number of people, including one of his nephews, who was then sentenced to life in prison, according to Madison. I think it was definitely a situation where it was mutually beneficial for a lot of parties if my dad was out of the picture. For either fear or of getting ratted out again or just this revenge plot, says Madison, who adds, I think a lot of people had a stake in this game for different reasons. Madison's nine-episode podcast pours over the evidence of the case that includes interviews with family members and those who knew your father. It's been this really interesting learning experience about myself, but also who my family is people that I didn't grow up around because I was raised with my mom. She says through her efforts, Madison was able to reconnect with her sister, Alyssa and learn what Alyssa remembered from the day that her father was killed. When my dad died, I never saw my sister again. Madison says after the funeral, I never saw my sister in person until I met up with her last year to interview her for the podcast. However, not this is the part I can relate to. However, not all of Madison's family members were willing to talk about her father's death. One relative wrote a threatening message on Facebook saying, You should stop or I'll make you stop. But that hasn't deterred Madison from releasing her podcast, narrowing down suspects, and continuing her quest for justice. I want to get, th- I want this to get solved, says Madison. I'm willing to take it as far as I need to. I mean, I'm, Relating that to th- all the threats and shit, and Courtney Coco's case, and, and acts of violence that I had against me, Madison, you, sh- you should have called me. I can solve it for you.
1: She should be careful.
0: She, you don't ever know who you're messing with. And well, Madison, it sound, it sounds Madison, like she has
1: a clue who she's messing yeah, with. Yeah,
0: right Madison, it's not the ones that threaten you you have to worry about. It's the ones that don't threaten you. And that's from me who solved. I've solved numerous. Cold Cases Now on the podcast, Uh, uh, Real Life Real Crime, original with Strauss on Tuesdays. And
1: trying to solve one now, another one. Well, good luck to Madison. Hopefully that will end well. Well, speaking of things that end well, especially when they so seldom do in cases like this. So on Sunday, this little girl in upstate New York, nine-year-old girl, was uh, up at a state park with multiple families and friends riding a bike around a uh, circle in the park and the friends she was riding with were tired and didn't want to be done and she said well i'll just go one more lap Mm -hmm. and somewhere along the line in that one more lap she was taken Mm -hmm. and they they knew she was taken because they found her bike and uh over the course of late Sunday through most of the day Monday, this was a story at the top of the headlines across the country. And most of us, I'm sure, were feeling like they were, gonna right, it was going to end badly right. like they so often do. And good news, this one did not end badly. A man has been arrested over the abduction of a nine-year-old girl who vanished from her family holiday while riding a bike in an upstate New York park. Charlotte Cena, who was nine, was found alive and safe on Monday, which is two days after she vanished from World. The world has become a smaller place and people are traveling more freely between countries than ever before. And companies are doing more business outside of their home countries than ever before. The geniuses at Rosetta Stone saw this trend beginning to develop years ago and have dedicated decades toward researching and refining the best and most efficient way to teach someone a new language. Rosetta Stone
2: has been one of our most loyal sponsors here at Real Life, Real Crime, and The Daily Show. And that's because many of you out there have trusted Rosetta Stone to prepare you for everything from a family reunion to a once in a lifetime trip to a business trip in a faraway country. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program in the galaxy. Rosetta Stone's
0: been there for us with a great product at a great price. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert in language learning for 30 years with millions of users. Rosetta Stone's intuitive process helps you pick up a new language naturally so you retain what you learn, and their true accent speech recognition feature is like having a personal trainer.
1: So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. In upstate New York, according to multiple reports, Craig Ross Jr., age 46, is the suspect, and he is in custody. He lives in Milton, New York, which is in the area and uh, only about 10 miles from where Charlotte lived, Uh, The man who was arrested over the abduction of the nine-year-old girl who vanished from her family holiday while riding a bike. Charlotte was pulled into a vehicle against her will or dragged into the woods, police said, just after 7 p.m. Charlotte had been found safe in good health. New York State police were previously confident Charlotte was abducted from the park. She was last seen wearing a tie-dye Pokemon shirt, dark blue pants, black Crocs, a gray bike helmet on Saturday evening. And the Amber Alert was issued on Sunday morning after she was uh, uh, last seen at 6.15 p.m. on Saturday. So New York State Police activated the Amber Alert at 9.35 a.m. on Sunday. Uh, An additional search team was deployed that morning. Over 100 people searched tirelessly, including forest rangers and 75 law enforcement personnel. Uh, The park was closed. The law enforcement established a command post there. Ultimately, they got the lead on this guy because he left his uh, his fingerprints on the the bike that they found, and they were able to uh, trace to uh, uh, to his place. He also had notified the family. He had contacted the family and was seeking a uh, a ransom. So, while They thought this might have been an abduction, child trafficking type of thing. It turned out even though this guy was a past uh, uh, child uh, offender, uh, he was looking for money and looking for a ransom and trying to hold the the family up for money. And that's how they were able to track him down between uh, DNA, fingerprints, et cetera, left on – Uh, the bike and communication. So I was going to say, he
0: must have been in the system if they had it. And then being a past sex offender, I'm just praying that that nine-year-old wasn't offended against. Maybe, and they, you know, he's trying to say it was a Ramson deal, but. uh, Well, hopefully he didn't have, uh, he
1: didn't have a ton of time with which to do anything. She was, according to what's come out thus far, uh, basically unharmed. And, uh, and so uh, for, well, At one time in 100, one of these things ends up positive. Positive, right? Good, good, for, good home, for that. Welcome home, Charlotte.
2: Good for that. Yeah, just glad that situation turned out uh, positive. 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 Jesus. Scary stuff. Uh, police are looking for a Houston, Texas driver. They say fled from a crash that left a United States Postal Service worker dead. The mail carrier was driving his truck around 3 p.m. Saturday in Houston when police say a driver tried to go around him and clipped him at the back. It pushed the postal truck into the ditch, which then fell on top of the postal worker. Community members rushed over to pull the truck off of the driver. The postal worker was pronounced dead on the way to the hospital, and his identity is not being released as of this recording. The other driver fled in a white Ford expedition. Witnesses described the man to police and got his license plate number. Uh, the recommendation here is to go ahead and turn yourself in because we know who you are. We have witnesses who can put you here and who can identify you. This from police. Police went to the home that the license plate number was registered to, but the owner of the vehicle told them their car had been stolen. Mm. The USPS said in a statement that is deeply saddened by the loss of life suffered uh, in Houston, and their thoughts are with family, friends, and colleagues as of this time. Mm. But uh, strange situation coming out of Houston. Of course, with these mail trucks, you know, they're kind of wide open. So it just appears that this guy was clipped, and it would have been a minor accident, except for it was right by a ditch. It tips over. And he falls right out of it. Sad you, you situation. Know you, you know, if you hit a mail
0: truck and tip it over, yeah, I mean, it's not like you know. I, oh, I thought I didn't I know it got I hit. Ran
2: over a cab Yeah, it, I mean, it yeah. rolls into a ditch. It was just really, the timing was just. I mean, it, you they know, probably didn't know. Crazy. It was crazy. a death right away,
0: but they damn sure knew they hit something.
2: Yeah. So, uh, I don't I know if they were they, drunk, had drugs in the car, or whatever, right, but they right. chose to run. Warrants, who knows? Yeah, they, they'll get them. So. All right, me take you to Oklahoma. And this
0: story is kind of really bizarre. Uh, um, Bro- Broken Bow Airport is a sparsely populated municipal airport in Oklahoma with no air traffic control. Samantha Hayes, a 27-year-old single mom, was paid to cut the grass around the airfield every so often. It's not totally clear whether Samantha ever saw 70-year-old James Baxter preparing to land his 1972 Bonanza airplane on Friday. According to Baxter, by the time he saw Hayes, it was too late to pull up. Hayes was struck and killed by the wing of the plane while still atop the lawnmower. Authorities, authorities say that Hayes was pronounced dead at the scene of the accident due to head injuries. On Facebook, Hayes was remembered as a loving friend and devoted mother to her three children. Samantha Hayes was a wonderful, great mom to her three babies. She was a single mom who worked hard to give them a safe and loving home. These babies knew they were loved every day, all day, wrote her friend Darlene. God knew his plan for her, and it's hard for us to process because she was still needed here, but he His ways are higher than ours, and even when it's hard to understand, she added. Carly Hayes wrote, You was one of the sweetest people I ever met. I never heard you say a cuss word or talk down on anyone. You were so full of life and had a whole life ahead of you with your precious babies. You got a whole family that's going to make sure them babies are good, I promise. Baxter the pilot was not injured. The FAA has no age limits for People to fly planes, though commercial airlines are banned from employing anyone over the age of sixty-five. No charges have been filed against Baxter back to, back to this far, and it remains under investigation.
1: So, really I mean,
0: bizarre, right?
1: But you're—that's all VFR. He's not flying with right, instruments. Right, there, right, right. he's coming into this right airport. Uh-huh. How does he not I, see? I have no
0: idea. That's not a good day. You're riding a riding
1: lawnmower. Oh, horrible. The it, wing and basically of a plane? You get your head smashed in by the wing of a plane. Jesus
0: Christ. Young mother? Yep. Yeah, three babies. The young mother out
1: there hustling, right. riding on a yeah. uh, lawnmower. I mean, he, he's got
0: it. I don't care what they their rules are. That's There's got to be some degree of negligence, negligent homicide or something there. Because you, know, because you land in a plane, you need to make sure nobody's underneath your fucking wings.
2: I agree.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, but it seems like, I mean, I don't know how small that airport is, but there's there's no air traffic control. Yeah. There's, I don't know. I've been to airports
0: like this, uh, doing some investigations, and like they'll have like six or seven of these little planes that they, they pay to park there, and the shit, there's no kind of tower, no air traffic control. And I mean, somebody's got to cut the grass. I get it. And it's grass runways. It's not even cement.
1: Yeah. The, uh,
0: Still and problem. she's got
1: all that lawnmower noise. She's probably got yeah, headphones on. Yeah, yeah, probably on. Probably lawnmower. yeah. Probably so she's not going to hear them unless she, you know, the only way she's going to do anything is if she sees them. Yeah, it's but I don't, I don't get how he didn't see her. But mm.
2: you guys
1: remember the story of the woman who cooked the poison mushrooms and had the poison lunch in Australia a few mm. months ago? Yes. What, what he's still pondering? I know. He'll yeah, come back to me in a second. This will, uh, will probably ring a bell as we get into it. But almost three months after Pastor Ian Wilkinson attended a fatal lunch containing what police suspect was death cap mushrooms, the 16-year-old has been released from the hospital. It took uh, that long for this guy to recover yeah. in the hospital. Wilkinson and his wife Heather joined Aaron Patterson and Aaron's former in-laws, Don and Gail Patterson, for that fateful lunch back on July 29th. So this all happened July 29th. The group ate beef wellington, personal favorite of mine, Mm -hmm. but the dish is believed to have contained the deadly death cap mushrooms. Don, Gail, and Heather all died within days of eating. Her ex-husband, Simon, who's the son of Don and Gail Patterson, was also invited to the lunch, but chose not to attend. In a statement Ms. Patterson said she, too, became ill after eating the beef wellington. Police say Ms. Patterson is a suspect because she cooked the meal, but she has strenuously denied intentionally poisoning her lunch guests and has yet to be charged by police. Mr. Wilkinson was just released from Melbourne's Austin Hospital. He's been there for two months. His release should represent an opportunity for detectives that have been investigating the case. Erin Patterson claims she purchased the mushrooms from an Asian grocery store in Melbourne, but told police she could not recall the exact location of that store. A food dehydrator Ms. Patterson had used was apparently thrown out and has not been located. Mm -hmm. Last month, Ms. Patterson said she was frustrated with the media's impact on her life and felt unfairly portrayed as a villain after the fatal accident. Quote, the media is making it impossible for me to live in this family. In this town, I can't have friends over. The media is at the house where my children are at. The media is at my sister's house, so I can't go there. This is unfair. A forensic toxicologist named Dr. Michael Robertson said that the victims of death cap mushroom poisoning can suffer from unbearable pain for a period of hours, but then they begin to feel better Hmm. just before they die. So it's you crying. go through this period of intense pain, and then you think that you've overcome right. it and you're going to be all right, and then your organs start to shut down. She went on, I lost my parents in law, my children lost their grandparents, and I've been painted as an evil witch, Patterson said. Well, I'd like to grab the brush and just paint uh, for a few additional seconds here. Mm. If I were going to poison someone with these mushrooms, the perfect meal to prepare would be beef wellington. And it would be beef wellington because the mushrooms are finely chopped, they're cooked in butter and shallots and combined with foie gras in a thick paste that you surround the beef with before encasing everything in phyllo dough. So nobody who's eating that meal lays an eye on the mushrooms before they are eating them. And even once you've cut through the dough – and the beef, the finely chopped shrooms just kind of disappear into the foie gras paste. So uh, delicious, but potentially deadly. She doesn't remember where she bought them. She somehow lost her food dehydrator. And she just so happened to pick the perfect recipe to disguise the poison fungus. I would say three strikes in your
0: Yeah, She'd be guilty.
2: Guilty. Beef Wellington. Beef Wellington. It's What's for dinner? Beef Wellington kill her.
1: Most romantic restaurant in New York. What is it? One if by Tavern land. Tavern on the One yeah. if by land, two if by sea. It is the old uh, home of uh, Aaron Burr, if you remember oh. who Aaron Burr was from history, and their signature meal. Is there London. is there beef Wellington? It just melts in. Is that and inside out. the city? Fabulous, yeah, it's down in the village. Hopefully, I'll it be going. A up there fabulous there next week for a meeting. Uh, but uh, uh, but they make sure they get good mushrooms in yeah. their beef Wellington. I'm sure they do. They I was going to say yeah, tab, they, they tabern did tabern not on find, green.
2: Yeah, I was going to say is tavern on green good?
1: Pizza. It's, it's kind of a tourist thing. No, uh, it's not. Yeah. There's there's a bunch of.
0: Great I go up there in and, and the next week or two. Might. Need all your recommendations, and oh, I'm doubt. definitely gonna have the beef well. I ain't
1: got plenty for you. Bring your wallet and your credit card. Shit, I'm not paying for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and have somebody even bring, better and have somebody bring their wallet and their credit card.
0: You can now take all off right. that belt and move freely around the cabin.
2: It is mile high crimes for Wednesday, and we're gonna talk about New York once again. A New York man has been ordered detained in Rhode Island on federal drug trafficking charges after custom and border protection agents at TF Green International Airport, located more than get this, thirty pounds of cocaine inside his carry-on bag. I hope what? he had a I hope he, he had that thing a good strap on that thing when he was carrying it. Uh, Alleged to have been in the man's possession while he disembarked in a wheelchair from a direct flight from the Dominican Republic. Uh, Richard Pineda, 46, of Bronx, New York, was among passengers on a flight from Santo Domingo. After initial screening upon his arrival in Rhode Island, Pineda was referred for secondary inspection based on a CB. He noticed that he was linked to an individual who had been arrested at JFK International Airport in New York in 2021 mm-hmm. while importing approximately 14.95 kilos of cocaine. Which is
0: about the same as that because it's
2: yep, the yep. 30 pounds is, is 2, 2.2 some per kilo. Right. So uh, in that case, the cocaine was actually concealed in a wheelchair. According to the charging documents, a carry-on bag located near Pineda uh, after his arrival at the airport was found to contain 12 rectangular brick-like packages wrapped in plastic and tape, consistent with the manner in which cocaine is packaged. One of the packages was more closely inspected by agents and uh, was found to contain cocaine. Also inside the bag was a Bible that contained a paycheck from a New Jersey company in Pineda's name and a voided check-slash-direct-deposit slip from a New York bank that listed Pineda as the payee. So he can't exactly deny it's his bag. You know, that's, not bag. Which, that's not my bag. Never seen it before. My wife packed that. I don't know. Uh, It is alleged that uh, Pineda denied that the carry-on bag belonged to him. He later claimed to agents that he had been given the bag by someone whose name he didn't know. uh, And that he did not know who was going to pick up the package in the United States. So, I mean, come on now. He's just going to hand you 30 pounds of cocaine right. and not tell you his name and, and you don't know him? And, and you have your Bible and your checks. So. <laughs> yeah. That's not my Bible. That's not my checks, no. yeah. uh, Wait,
1: so how, did the, so how did that work? He went through security in Santa Domingo and got through? Yeah.
2: He got yeah. through there. Yeah. Uh, but the issue was when he was in the United States, he he was flagged because he was – uh, closely affiliated with a guy who had been arrested at JFK International Airport a couple of years back, yeah. uh, with a bunch of cocaine in a wheelchair. Yeah. So you got to figure it out. Fifteen thirty—that's like
0: a half million dollars before they step on it and cut it. And you can get one kilo of fentanyl and make that one point five million dollars if, if they get. Two of them arrested out of the twenty. They sent three. That's like yeah. a lot of money.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. And it, look, thirty pounds. Yeah, that's, that's heavy. A, that's a I mean, that's yeah. put it. Put thirty pounds in a, in a was it, backpack. Did you, did right you now. say
1: Rhode Island? What what airport was it that he was going through?
2: T.F. Green International Airport, which is uh, in Rhode
1: Island, correct. So hmm. that would be the Providence. That flight flew directly from Santa Domingo to Providence. <laughs> I, a weird, it, probably, uh, it doesn't uh,
2: really specify if it was a direct he, flight, he but I would imagine on. it was. But here's the deal he had to he had to make it through customs at some point.
1: Well, wasn't that at customs that he got? Yeah,
2: it was at the United States side of customs. Yeah, yes. all, right, all, right, mm-hmm. all right. Well, there you go. Lost because that land.
1: Providence airport isn't much of because. Mo- if you're going somewhere far, you're going to Logan. You're going to yeah, drive it up they, to Boston. They're trying to figure. I've I, I uh-huh.
0: figured my chance to yeah. be better at, in Rhode Island than at JFK or somewhere. Right.
2: Well, um, they. You know. You know how you know cocaine this. is real? Smell it. <laughs> you it on your guns. <laughs> they, they they frown upon
0: you rubbing. It it Smell like cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> so.
2: Yeah. Ooh, another uh, kinky crime. Kinky crimes for Wednesday's Wednesday.
0: usually the best ones. And here we go. Like, you know, police officers, I'll tell you the old saying, they say the badge will get you the P-word, but don't let the P-word get your badge. This one's kind of reversed. Um, a Texas police dispatcher has been suspended after her husband caught her sexting Seven officers, including two with whom she was having affairs. And her boss is investigating whether some of the hanky-panky occurred on duty. Mm. Crystal Perez, 38, an overnight dispatcher at the Bexar County Sheriff's Office, in the all that's in San Antonio, was placed on unpaid leave after her husband, uh, Giancarlo Perez, discovered steamy messages on her cell phone along with Perez, Sergeant Renato Salinas and deputy Juan Leo, who also have been suspended, face possible termination over the scandal. Their conduct apparently, according to the investigation was found to be great, egregious enough to where we would issue those proposed terminations. The sheriff uh, Salazar said another one of the officers, deputy Jason Jarvis has been hit with a proposed suspension of 30 days and his wife, uh-oh. Jessica Jarvis is divorcing him after she claims he admitted to having an affair with Perez. Jessica Jarvis, his wife, said these are people that are supposed to be protecting us, serving and making sure the community is safe, and instead they're busy setting up affairs. They're busy <laughs> setting up appointments to basically have sexual relations. So Giancarlo yes, Perez said he was one, the one who discovered the salacious text between his wife and six ex County <laughs> deputies. And an officer with the City of Converse Police Department. He shared some of the messages she sent to one of the officers and reported that. Some of the exchanges were too explicit to share. Mm. Here we go. I feel so hot and (laughs) sexy when I'm in you, the officer wrote prayers another one. I can feel it, all of it, and I love it, the dispatcher replied. We need another hotel hotel day, the officer wrote, to which she replied. Yes. Oh, capital excavation marks, and the officer also wrote Perez. I can't wait for us to be naked. And us caressing each other and then kissing each other all over, and we have the picture of this lovely lady. Yeah, lady, Wow. I use the term "lady" loosely. It'd be hard to the, d- uh, to
2: get out of out of that well, text message. The, the problem with it is unscathed. But yeah. Right? The
0: problem, <laughs> is not only is it cheating, uh, the uh, the the problem is they were doing it while they were on duty, and that's yeah. therein lies the issue. So you back in my day, Sheriff, That's Sheriff Willie Graves, officers too. And I think it's Jay Snarred's policy too. That back in my day, one rule Willie would fire you for in a heartbeat is if he caught you cheating. Mm-hmm. If you got busted cheating on your wife, you got fired. It didn't matter who you were. And I think Jay Snarred does the same thing.
1: This. Uh, that's kinky. That's kinky. Yeah, this this officer that rode her back. I mean, that's an epic. Fa- I can't wait for us to be naked and ca- <laughs> caressing each other and kissing each other. All that's kind of lame. Come right? on, dude. You're, you're, this you're, is supposed you're, to be sex thing. Right, I mean, give right. us it's give a, us a real freaking effort. I can't wait
0: to caressing bang, bang your head off the headboard again.
1: <laughs> she was. Can't exactly. wait to hang. I'll cuff you exactly. Just. Thank you. <laughs> we needed more of that. I was going to say she gives that cop outside of Nashville. Oh, a run yeah, for yeah, her yeah, money, right? In, right? in terms of numbers, because I don't be think nasty. I don't think seven that, is a lie. I don't think that one in Nashville hit seven. I mean, she yeah, made her way through was most of the department, yeah, but uh, I think it was a were, small
0: department. I think they were having some frysomes and stuff. Yeah, but the there, quality
1: too. of her communication was yeah. much better. I mean, yeah. this is well, at least you, hey, you she, don't do all of this and then have she like did like San Antonio Sheriff's Office and some city G rated communication. I mean, that's like you can say that in a Little Mermaid movie. I mean, you got to give us a little real.
0: Anyway, there's your sexy crime for Wednesday. Kinky. got kinky crime for Wednesday. Kind of sexy. Kind of sexy, too. (laughs) It's definitely sexual.
1: Awkward. Somebody needed to write for those
0: people.
1: (laughs) Some banjo. Banjo time. A little bit different today. Today, we have a dumb public service message.
0: There you go. Lay it on
1: us. This is actually true, happening today. Not today while we're recording here on Tuesday, but today, as you're hearing this, on Wednesday, October 4th, the nationwide emergency phone test is taking place at 2.20 p.m. Eastern time here in the U.S. Shit, I'll be sleeping. FEMA? FEMA? And the FCC will test a nationwide emergency alert Wednesday, October 4th, sending a message to every mobile phone across the country at exactly 2.20 p.m. Eastern. You would think that would be pretty good. A good thing. I mean, it's important I think, to test I that I think stuff, I have a phone
0: but, call scheduled for that time. Well, real, they're going to
1: interrupt your phone call. But conspiracy theorists on TikTok and Twitter are convinced that there's something more nefarious behind this plan. In fact, they insist the nationwide test will activate something within the COVID-19 vaccines oh, that could turn God. people into... Zombies. Walking zombies. Yeah, figured, imagine that. October 4th, 2023, FEMA activates 5G zombie apocalypse. If, you've got <laughs> oh, the, if you got the clot shot, you are screwed. For those of us who did not bend the knee... Real estate is about to become much cheaper, oh one, of, one of the posts. Uh, the video shared by that account has been viewed 150,000 times and counting, insisting that 5G cell phone networks were all part of the plot to harm Americans. Mm, Over on TikTok, sniper. the conspiracy theory is spreading even faster, with some videos falsely claiming the cell phone alert will be, quote, one of the loudest sounds ever recorded in history. Really? So you might want uh, to have a Y2K, uh, yeah. Go with uh, go with ear honey. Uh, at that time, yeah. um, other TikTokers are making dark predictions using similarly exaggerated claims about the real purpose for the emergency alert test. I won't share all of those with you, That's, but the, uh, the, pre- yeah. <laughs> the the most prevalent one is the uh, is the zombie uh, walking zombies. So well, I will be on the lookout for zombies care. at about gonna, that moment.
0: I'm going to be on the phone anyway, but I'm, I'm a I'm gonna make sure I'm strapped when the
1: thing goes off. <laughs> Actually, you know, I mean, this is a great opportunity for a gag. Like, oh, like
0: a bunch of guys, me.
1: a bunch of guys get makeup made oh, up as zombies, God. go to you know, a, a shopping Walmart, a yeah. shopping mall, a Walmart, whatever. Right at that time, and, well, yeah. I bet that happens.
0: I, I mean, there's a. I, Better, I bet it's going to happen now. A Somebody good chance out there. That I mean, yeah. Y'all it, do send us the TikTok. I
1: mean, people already have uh, already have written the uh, the Taylor Swift breakup song to Travis Kelsey. Oh. So I mean, if that's out there, I think that we're going to see some. sign. <laughs> z- I wish I had known about this a month ago. We could oh. we could have had some fun with this today. Okay. Anyway, that's uh, that's just dumb. You no know, criminals necessarily that's involved, code, but yeah. it's was- dumb.
2: Today in true crime history, Uh that's what we want. And a couple of interesting things happened on October 4th Uh, in 1976. The Supreme Court reverses its 1972 ban on the death penalty. hmm. That happened in 1976. That was a major deal. Uh, and how about 2009, the Mount Vernon murders, uh, on October 4th of 2009, 17 year old Steven Spader and 19 year old Christopher Gribble murdered Kimberly Cates, 42 and severely maimed her 11 year old daughter, Jamie during a home invasion in New Hampshire. Both victims were assaulted with a machete, and Spader admitted to hacking Kimberly Cates to death with Damn. 36 blows to her head and torso. Damn. Yeah, that, that was a... Uh, a big deal back in 2000. Well, it's a big deal anytime, but back in October 4th of 2009, obviously the brutality of that murder made national headlines for quite a while. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So that was this day in true crime history for October 4th. And that brings us to an end of another episode. Woody over to any final thoughts.
0: Uh, do rrescue.org. Yes, the egg challenge. We're gonna to have to put a timeline on this. I'm saying one day next I week. have
1: begun my forehead, <laughs> yeah. Uh, on it yeah. So, there's a there's a way to uh, to firm up your skull in a short period of time to make it uh, more durable.
2: You've been so, headbutting brick walls, so and... I've been uh, I've been working on that. <laughs>
1: yeah. it, so, I, what do y'all it's think? Easy. I just watched Giants football games, right. and <laughs> slam yeah. my head against that. <laughs> Yeah, that was bad.
0: Now, um. Yeah, so let's we'll put a we'll cut off of this Friday, yeah, and do it one day next week if you got time to be smashed. I promise you not to write, make any of them riding. <laughs> make the them hard boiled, yeah, I'll hard boiled, or anything like that.
1: <laughs> I need an egg tester, don't I? I may have to. Bring, I may have to bring an egg tester.
0: Your, your your original objection was about salmonella and all that. So if you test them, really won't be fair. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that made no I may, sense. I may it. have an egg tester. <laughs> all right, I I got to say it one more time, people. Thank you all so much again uh, for taking the time and effort to go and do what you did for us for the People's Choice podcast. And you're
2: Oh yeah. yeah. Love y'all. It's fire. And look, we do want to mention uh we have a fire interview with uh oh, God, yes. with, with Donald ever. Duck. The best ever. Yeah, but not the Donald Duck you would think. Yeah. Detective Donald Duck right. Sharp, who was who gained the confession from uh from Robert, Robert Willie, Willie yeah. uh who of course was you know, the character that the dead man walking play by Sean Penn was based
0: after this. Not like the movie that dude's got more bodies on him than anybody. I can oh, almost yeah. ever imagine. But he, uh, uh, Donald Duck, had relationship with him and, and he goes into it really wasn't an interview because I don't think
2: we said two words the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Master he is a, Master Storyteller. It was a yeah. amazing time and it's uh a very angle. rare interview with this guy. Bloody Angle drops to tomorrow. Today. Right? Uh yes, it dropped tomorrow uh midnight, Thursday at right, midnight. Right, right. So
1: yes. So
2: all right, until next time I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody you
1: And I'm Mike Agavino.
2: Your host of Real Life, Real Crime Daily. Peace. Aglets. Everybody
0: in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.